0: Just go to indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Right, it Out Golf Podcast time. Myself, Mark Crossfield, Lou Stagner's in the house and Greg Chalmers as always. And we're going to talk tour pros. We've got a tour pro with us in Greg Chalmers. And we've also got a tour pro in mind in Lou Stagner <laughs> in his own mind. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we're going to talk, <laughs> talk about some of the things Tor pros are doing that you watch day in day out that you can really take from and i don't mean obviously hitting great shots because that's a different conversation but it's some of the things that might reflect or you could use on your game that you watch and maybe don't incorporate enough should be a fun episode welcome my two tour pros <laughs> But, uh yeah uh
0: Thank you. first Thank you, i need to clarify there's only one tour pro on this uh right now and it is That's... not me oh
2: i thought you were gonna say it was you no
0: no <laughs> absolutely yeah i thought me. he was gonna say
1: no. greg's part-time it now it's me yeah exactly <laughs> lose full time yeah full-time. <laughs> um, So we're going to, I mean, Greg, you played with enough amateurs over your years, obviously, when Mm -hmm. you practice and socially and you do coaching as well now with amateurs, as well as play on the PGA Tour. Um, Lou, I do know, joking aside, I do think, I've not played with you yet, but hopefully soon or this year we'll get a game, but um, I'm pretty sure from what we speak about, you do do a lot of things that I would see better players certainly trying to do. And sometimes I think you take it to an extreme level, like with your measuring putts and stuff, but I totally understand why you do that um so let's just share some experiences on what we could see everyday golfers um incorporating more that they see on telly into their games just to give you some uh, i mean a basic example that i see and i'll chuck it over to you greg then um you know i see loads of amateurs hit chip shots onto greens where there's a big break on the green and they hit a chip which is relatively okay in relationship to the other chips they've hit in that round but they don't read it like a putt, so it just breaks way away from the hole. And then they walk up onto the green and go, oh, look, there's a massive break there. And I always think, wow, like a, a tour pro or a better player would maybe walk up onto that green and have a little look before they play their chip shot. I remember when I was playing, if I had a 30-yard, 40-yard, sometimes 50-yard pitch, I would walk up to it. I would know I need to get to that pitch early so I could go up and look at the green while the other person was back at 150 or 180, whatever, hitting their shot. Cause I haven't always got time to do it. Like when everyone's waiting for me as such, it's things like that, that I think just like that's costing you potentially a free putt and certainly a way outside chance of a single putt. Cause you've simply not read that green and you've hit an okay shot. Um, what are some of the things you see day in, day out, Greg? Cause I know you guys, you know, you're professionals. You take things very seriously when you're out there playing um, what are some of the pitfalls you see amateurs make compared to you don't see with your compadres when you're out there playing?
2: Uh, cr- chronic under-clubbing when you really yeah. should be, particularly at a club level, you really should yeah. be pin high more often. I played recently in a pro-am. Pretty, you know, pins are really easy in pro-ams. They're right in the middle. And the guy I said, what are you thinking? He said, oh, I'm between a seven and an eight. And he ended up hitting the seven, five to 10 yards short of the actual green. And, yeah. and I've got no problem with that. Okay, you're two or three clubs out on this particular shot but he did it again. and Then he did it again. And I'm like, yeah. well, I wonder when are we going to learn this lesson? You know, like of how far I actually hit it. Um, that would be something. I think the biggest thing I'd take away is learn some lessons about like you talking, you don't look at chips. You don't walk up and look at the green. If you did that, if I did that one time, like, well, that's a mistake. I should have walked up and look at that um, on the next hollow wheel or the whole, whenever I get that next opportunity, I'll take a look to make sure that it's clear cutters where something's going to roll and, gather more information pre-shot I guess. Uh, that'd be certainly under clubbing is one of the things I see very, very often. Um, uh, the other thing would be reading lies. The amount of times I see people uh, hit it into you know a bit of rough or a bit of wispy grass and they pull out a hybrid and I'll be hitting seven iron or nine iron. is amazing yeah, that's a great one. Yeah um, just hit some get some loft on it, get it back in play. You've already made a mistake by hitting it there. so let's let's not make two in a row if we can. Let's get it back in play, particularly if you got shots and handicapped shots up your sleeve. Um, that'd be my sort of – sort of. Yeah, and re- I'm doing playing lessons now yeah, where you, you do that kind of stuff and people are like, oh, I hadn't thought of it like that. And I'm like, well, okay. Um, i got no problem if you don't think about it now, but let's move forward. Let's try and do it a little bit more. Um, yeah, re- reassessing
1: lies is a great one. Yeah. I, I, would t- mm-hmm. I see that with students over and over again. And I think what you'll have experiences like this, Greg, 10 times compared to mine. We've said it before on pods. I'll hit a necky, healy drive that goes straight in, in the air and everyone goes, oh, that's the best drive you've it all day. I think, well, it's 40 yards shorter than where it should be, but I'm sure it looked fine. Um, and then I'll have like a 20-yard chip over a bunker off the barest lie ever, and they're just up on the green because they've hit the green state, and I like hit it to six foot. And I think that's the best shot I've hit like in weeks. And they won't even say anything. And I think the fact that they've not said anything about that, they've not even seen that the situation I was in was treacherous and I've played a great shot where the Healy drive off the middle that was 40 yards short of there, seeing that as a great shot. Again, that's something where I would think, well, yeah, they're just not reading lie-in, heart, like, and I, I I think it's fair to say, I've got no data on this, but it does reflect handicap. You'd like, if you play with good players, they do give you credit where credit's due more often. Does that right, make sense? Right, right.
2: They can read the situation better. Yes, they no would question. go. That's an amazing
1: shot, mm. Mark. Like, can't believe mm. you chip that there from there. Yeah, you know, they have an appropriate response to the shot, and the same way where I'll have a basic chip and hit it to ten foot, and they'll go, Yeah, yeah, it's all right. You know, I'm not bad. I'm lucky. They'll give you the like the the ego like smoothing answer rather than if you like chip it to an inch from somewhere, they're like, Whoa that was a good shot but as you come down the handicap range you do see people not seeing what's going on around them in their own game and in others because like right. i'm pretty sure you're the same you can acknowledge when a good shot's a good shot that you can't you like if one of your mates yeah plays a i good mean shot, if i
0: if i saw you hammer one out there 280 i know for you that's huge and i would i would give you credit for that
1: shots fired (laughs) well i do know my 103 club head speed might carry 270 now Ah, so here we go there 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 we go go. (laughs) Uh, that's a (laughs) private
2: message saying hang on a second (laughs) there
1: you go so i'm now carrying everything 300 but that's i'm happy with that but you know what i'm saying you definitely see it a little bit that people i think reading lines is a great one does uh, that does
2: Ludazarkos data say they underclub people underclub a lot. Like they
1: they're not sure how far it goes. Is that an sense?
0: absolutely massive yeah. amount. Yeah. Yes. So it's it's just from
1: different lies over and over again, isn't it? Yeah,
0: Lou? over and over again. Yeah, people end up short a significant amount of the time. I don't have it up in front of me, but it's a it's a even even as you get to better players, even you know, scratch players are still significantly guilty of that um, compared to tour pros uh so as far i've got some in front of me here
1: it's interesting short on all approaches so this is all approaches a scratch handicapper is 25 percent of the time short so it's the biggest bucket apart from a hit green of 53 percent um short on all approaches is 35 percent with a five handicap if you jump up to a 15 handicapper, it goes to 53 percent and if you jump up to a 25 handicapper, it goes to 71%. So it, it, it's one of those things that does follow handicap suit quite well. Obviously, the complication in there is that your average 25 handicapper is in it way shorter. So I always say to people, and this is a good lesson for people, how many greens can you hit? Because those date, that that's data based on 18 greens. But if you think about it, your average 25 handicapper, Greg, they might only hit four greens in a round. That's all they can reach. Right, right. So they're gonna be short all the time. How many out of the ones you can reach, Mm -hmm. do you actually reach, or do you come up short? And then how many of your third approaches, you know, how many of them are coming up short? So you've got to work in your handicap a little bit.
2: Well, I mean, I'm
0: I'm also even talking about, forget about approach shots or forget about coming up short in regulation. Like I can look at this data and just find all shots from 95 yards across all handicap ranges. It doesn't matter whether they're trying to get on in regulation or if it's their ninth shot. And I, I can see how often they come up short, and it's a significant amount across handicaps. And uh, on this topic, one of the things that I think uh, amateurs are not very good at is really is assessing wind correctly. Um, you know, there there's certainly it's not a perfect science, but you can you can roughly estimate how much the wind is going to impact, how much shorter or farther your ball is going to go, and and the simple formula there is uh, take the wind speed, whatever that happens to be. And I'm going to do this in miles per hour. Um, it's just my my baseline. Um, it, take the wind speed in miles per hour and k- think of that as a percentage of the distance. And I'm going to give you an example here so that it makes sense. So let's say you have a 10 mile per hour wind blowing straight into you and you are a hundred yards from the hole. Um, you, that shot is going to play like it's 110. So you, you take... The distance you are to the hole multiplied by the wind speed, where the wind speed is just a percentage and, and not just an, a, a, a full number, um, and and add that to your distance. So if you had a 16 mile per hour wind coming straight at you and you're 100 yards from the hole, uh, that's going to play like it's 116. And if you're 200 yards out, 10 mile an hour wind, it's going to play like it's 220. Um, and I don't want to get into too many numbers here, but that's how you do into the wind. Um, it's modified a bit if the wind is quartering or or a, l- a little bit more, um, you know, almost off the left or almost off the right, but still hurting. Similar type of uh, approach downwind, but it's just half of the, uh, of the wind speed. Um, it's such an important thing for amateur players to understand. And we should, in the notes, Mark, we should put some... I can give you some links that you can put in the in the notes for this, where people can see yeah. that stuff. Because I was recently walking around with um, a D- Division One golf team that I help out with now, and it was a par three, and it was I was playing at it at one eighty somewhere around there. But when you did these calculations um, and you took into account elevation, um, so this this green was about four yards above where they were hitting on the tee. The, the hole was playing like 216, 215, roughly as an estimate. And I asked each one of the players that played, how far do you think it was playing? And they said, oh, it's probably like 200, 205. Guess what? They, all of them came up short. They were all a yeah. club short because they're not playing the right number. And so I think that's a huge, huge leak. Uh, for amateur players is not being able to calculate that correctly. And, and Greg will probably tell you this. I'm sure Greg's caddy, the beginning of every round, he knows what the wind is supposed to be doing that day. Uh, He knows what direction it's supposed to be coming out throughout the course of the day. And he knows every hole, what direction it faces. And he has an idea. Now, all of that can change when you're out there, but he knows before he shows up what we're expecting throughout the course of the round. And he has an idea before he even sets foot on the property. I know, maybe I'm right. wrong on that, but. No, that no, you're trigger?
2: right. No, yeah. I, I look at the weather personally. I know my caddy does it, but all the outage book have, um, you know, North, South, East, West. Uh, yep. And we look at the weather prior to the week. So we know how a practice round should look. Hey, Cause like this week's a great example. I'm in New Orleans. So I'm helping out a friend of mine with some stuff. And we're playing the practice round. The wind is going to blow totally opposite from what we saw in the practice round for the rest of the week. So the practice round was like, well, don't worry about this tee shot. It's, it's hard today, but it won't be during the week, uh, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, we'll get during the round. It's just another level of confidence you can add. Hey, it's meant to be from the Northwest. It feels that way. It looks that way. All right. Definitely do that. takes that yeah. unknown out because any doubt is not fun. Um, I'll say this. I, I know when I'm playing, I've noticed in the in the – getting into the teaching side at my instincts are very good. And a lot of pros, their instincts are pretty good when they're over the ball. So that those, their instincts are screaming at them like that scenario you talked about, Lou. Um, okay. This isn't enough club. I should hit more club. And we listen to that better. Um, I've noticed with some amateur golfers that they just don't have that, whether it's through um, they don't play that much in those conditions or they just don't play a lot. Uh, they don't have those sharp instincts of, or they don't even know how far their clubs go. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of that sometimes,
1: um which is you well, know they generally if you have the know option. how far a good shot goes but they <laughs> right, very rarely right, know how right. far their clubs actually go no. so they know well, how far the outlier top end often goes that's what i right. that's a pattern i notice with amateurs so they tell me where their seven iron goes the best out. one ever well, yeah, in, in the of them ever. Of, well not quite <laughs> the best but like two out of 12 go that distance but all the others yeah. are way short and I, yeah. I, if we take away the total miss hits like let's just delete them off the 50 yard ones that you've topped you're actually averaging that club about 137, but you're telling me it's a 155 club. And I just mm. think, yeah, you could get it 155, but twice out of yeah. you know, 12 shots um, off a mat where it was a low spinny one anyway, so you probably wouldn't have an outside as well. Um, I agree. People not understanding their clubs, definitely. And that works I... into understanding their lie so much better, doesn't it? If well, they I think understand too... what their clubs do. Yeah, I think
2: too, Mark, Lou, I think a lot of guys, a lot of amateurs would really benefit from having a better post-shot routine, a better post-shot sort of breakdown on what went what went 100%. right, what went wrong. You know, you yeah. see this sort of, so you can learn. And because the amount of times they'll hit a shot, particularly if, you know, the one I talked about earlier at a rough, they hit a shot and they've taken the wrong club and they go, like, oh, that must have been a bad swing. fit, swing was fine, dude. It's the, you don't have enough loft. You know, yeah. or you come up short. Well, maybe you're on the bottom end of your numbers today. You aren't swinging beautiful. Like we have that all the time. I'm like, tell so my caddy, hey, we're on the low side of these numbers. We, we aren't flushing it today, so we're just. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's just have an adjustment to when you make. The biggest mistake is when you make several. Certainly, from a clubbing standpoint, you continually to do the same thing. You come up short. You come up short. You come up short. You never get it to pin high. Well. If a solid structure, how many shot, times that's... can
1: you bring your bang your head against a brick wall? right?
2: Yeah, let's let's adjust that. Maybe get you know, maybe hit take an extra club. You want to? We do sometimes. I will do practice rounds. I'm like, let's just hit it to the back edge all day. Don't worry about the pin. Yeah. just hit it yeah. to the back edge, and you'll be surprised. You might end up pin high. They more never get the it there, that, do they? Never <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah. yeah um well i think what's really interesting was that because like when you mentioned lies and Lou mentions the wind there and gives some great data and we're definitely, we'll definitely will we should post some links to that because i think it's handy so i would leave I, when i'm with student like all that is i would call how you read the lie so it's how the ball sits on the grass or not sand rough tight grass but i'm always amazed how people see the fairway as one thing so uk mm. fairways parkland they can't cut them enough like Parkland meadow grass grows so fast in a moist, warmish time in the UK. So they can cut the fairways in the morning, in the afternoon. You're close to semi-flyers in some places where you go to a Lynx course where it's as bare as. like I know instantly my ball is going to spin more with irons. It's going to generally come up that little bit shorter and less. I adjust how I play that shot and people just see fairways as one thing. I'm on the fairway, so I do my fairway shot. I think, well, you can, but you can be better than that. Um, I also think slope is a great one that people don't read. I do something with students and anyone listening who's got a range finder that measures slope, just constantly play the, the slope game with yourself. If you can get better at eyeballing slope and then confirm it with your slope reading on your range finder, play that game in practice rounds whenever you're practicing think I'm going to guess this is seven up and then measure it and see how far you're out all the time and see how good you can get at it you know I'm relatively okay at it now because I can generally eyeball and get quite close because I do it over and over again and have done and you do it with students I say like you know what you're hitting here and they go I'm hitting my seven nine because it's x distance I think well That's uphill. You're just never getting there with that club. You've been coming up short with it the last two times and this one's uphill. Um, So great tip for people listening. If you get, if you have a range finder that's got slope or someone in your group has got a range finder slope, do the slope game, guess it, get them to tell you and then keep trying to learn if you're over guessing or under guessing Lou,
0: you don't need to guess. So if you're going to go play an event, uh, you're going to go play no. a court, wherever you happen to play. <laughs> no. Event.
1: Can... What about social golf? I'm talking. Yeah, you can go about on so- there, if you're going to event. play
0: social golf, if you're going to go play social golf and you want to prepare to play your round of golf, you can use Google earth and you can see the elevation change between on a par three, the tee box in the green uh, on par fours and fives, the tee shot and the landing area or the uh, landing area, roughly about where you might be to the green and you can see what the elevation change is Uh, that's free. You don't need to go buy anything for that. There's things that will give that info to you, but uh, you can do that. um, And the rule of thumb is roughly for every yard of elevation change, it's going to make it play one yard longer or shorter, depending on if it's uphill or downhill. So yeah. if you have uh, a green that is 10 yards above where your approach shot is going to be from, it's going to play about 10 yards longer. If it's 10 yards below, it'll play about 10 yards shorter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just so we're clear though, Lou, I, I, I reckon you've talked to about 1% of the whole golfing population. <laughs> what do you mean? People are not you using say, Google I love earth? the way he says that Greg, don't you? What you do oh, yeah. is you just go on Google earth. Like my dad is instantly listening now going, what is he on about <laughs> uh, you want me to go home in the evening go on a computer what are you saying my my where his email is <laughs> on his computer he goes my dad says, oh i've uploaded he's trying to sell a club on ebay and he's gone i've sent it from. i've taken a picture of my phone and sent it to the computer he emailed it didn't use airdrop because he didn't know what that was but anyway and then he goes but then I tried to upload it to to eBay. He said, and eBay won't take the picture. Well, it's because your phone shoots in a format that does, you have to change it to a JPEG, Dad. I might will have said something in Arabic because he's now, <laughs> I show him, you know, it's like, it's like two processes. Open it in preview, save JPEG. He's going, cool, you're doing a lot of things there, aren't you? That's who's <laughs> listening, Lou, just to <laughs> let you know. I love the way Lou says these things as if normal people. Go home. Uh, go on Google. Yes, I, I appreciate. I, every week.
0: I do appreciate the reality check. I realize not everyone uh, approaches it's things great the same advice. way I do. I agree
1: with you. It's great advice, but I'm just thinking it's mm. great advice for the one listener who's going. I do that because generally, the listener, <laughs> the listener who will do that, is already doing it. <laughs>
0: Right. Very good.
1: (laughs) Tips from Uh, Lou Stagner. Tips that you already know if he tells you them because you're already doing (laughs)
2: them. Because you're like, yeah.
1: I agree. You can use Google Earth as well. If you don't want to do that, (laughs) range finder is quite easy as well. Um, But I like that, Greg. Reading lines is is a really good one. Lou, what do you see with your mates? You play socially and you see your mates, you know, you're playing social golf and they're out there for a laugh and having gills. What what do you, do you see things that your playing partners do that you think, oh, if you just change that, you might enjoy it a bit more or or not? What, what, What do you see out there in the field?
0: You know, I see this, uh, probably at least once, if not more every single time that I play. And I would say occasionally I'm guilty of it. I, I I will tell you, I am a fan of, of playing quickly. Um, I like ready golf and I want you to play quickly and I want you to move along and I don't want you to take forever and appreciate if your pre-shot routine takes four minutes, I'm probably never going to play with you again. Um, (laughs) So, I want you to move quickly, but I, I see often where somebody gets over a shot, an amateur gets over a shot, and something will distract them. Um, you know, a car will be driving by and it will backfire, oh, or they're yeah, have yeah, really yeah, loud. Something's get. going on yeah. that distracts them in some way, and they're over the ball, and you can tell they're distracted. You can tell their mind has gone to that. They maybe even glanced at it. They pull the trigger anyway, and you hear afterwards, oh, I should have backed away. Um, and I, again, I want you to play quickly, but when you get to a point where your focus is completely somewhere else, when you're over the ball, pulling the trigger is probably not a good idea at that point. You need to reset. You need to go. Greg will tell you this. I'm sure professionals are, are maybe a much different animal than us amateurs because they are playing in environments that are it's crazy how much noise and stuff is going on and movement is going on around them. So they certainly get into their bubbles to hit their shot, but you play with a lot of players, Greg, that, that are amateurs and in, in either pro-ams or in playing lessons that you do now. And I'm sure you've seen this from people where they just get over the ball. They get completely distracted. They hit a horrible shot and they instantly say, I should have backed away. And it's not an excuse because they've hit a poor shot you can see that they are completely distracted with something and they should have actually backed away. So that is something I see on a regular basis.
2: Yeah. Pick something to focus on and focus on that. Pick something that's going to help you hit a good shot. So that's the point of the practice swing. And if you get distracted, step back, start again. Doesn't take long. Don't need to have 20 practice swings, guys. Um, If you don't feel the need to make a move to um, help you generate whatever you want to generate to give you a chance to hit a good shot, you know for me, it might be a feeling of with a driver, it might be different to the eyes. With a driver, I like to feel speed past the ball, it's pretty simple. But yeah, if I get distracted, I, I mean, we're playing for a living, we got to jump out of it. It actually doesn't happen as often as you think. If you're focused, it's sort of um, we just sort of practice it so much, we get used to and we get used to noises, and some do. Some pros are yeah. a little more rabbit ears, um, but yeah, <laughs> I would say that. Uh, and, you yeah, know, I, I mean,
1: I think that's I, I would say ahead. with that, which is, is quite interesting. Well, I agree with you. Like if you if you feel like you've been distracted, just start again and like, you know, reset. But I also do see amateurs use it as a scapegoat as well. I reckon, Greg, you probably see this also with your pro ads. My mum does it like I can see people are coming like before I walk into my part and unless they start jumping around. I, I know what their movement's going to be. It's predictable. So I can just ignore it. They're going to walk past and that's mm-hmm. fine. So I'm going to hit my putt. And I know like, if they started going like side to side or jumping up and down, I might step back. But sometimes, you know, amateurs want complete silence. And I just think, you oh. know, come on. We're not really, a, it's a I bit of a fun. Up. And if you're going to get off on by that, Get over yeah. yourself a little bit. I
2: had one. I've had two of those once. Both family members. I I was I was at Torrey Pines and I'm standing over a wedge into on the the easy course or the old easy course. on about sixteen. I'm standing over a wedge and it's behind the green. My wife walked around. Nikki walked around, and she popped up right behind the flag at my last look. <laughs> and I had two looks, and I'm like, oh, there's Nikki, right? <laughs> yeah. And then my dad wore a bright yellow golf shorts with Tony. He's a big man. He's got a bit of a beer belly. And he rolled out with this bright yellow shirt. I'm like five or 600. Dad's ambling down the left side. And I go, every time I looked up at the target, because I'm a lefty, all I can see is dad like 50, 80 yards off the tee in this bright yellow shirt. I'm like, stand still dad, for crying out loud. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I only made double on that hole. It didn't cost me much. Um, but Yeah. You, you do have, to, you do have situations that pop up, but, you know it's just kind of get on with it i mean some yeah, you, people you
1: have some fragile golfers as well don't you oh, that's Absolutely, what i think you, you have unfragile yeah. and ones that are fragile and it's almost like they're looking for something to blame because yeah. golf is tough and you're going to lose a lot it's like well if i can project that onto someone else it's like self-defense a little bit so a little bit of definitely resetting like lou says that's good advice but also try not to be as fragile i see more over fragile amateurs like you know they've got a very basic shot pattern that you see repeat let's call it that they you know they mm-hmm. duff a few irons let's say they hit 10 irons and they duff three of them and you're teaching mm-hmm. them they got on the course and they're going over water so it's all a bit tense and something moves that i don't even know existed and they duff it and they go oh that moved i think well no <laughs> you duff three out of ten and you just happen to do it on this old water like nothing moved like It's a bit reality check sometimes into what's causing those bad shots might allow you to.
2: I think a a good question to ask yourself and at any level, pro level, amateur level is, am I actually enjoyable to play with? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because sometimes I I never ask that question because it's too (laughs) scary. I know we had plenty of people go, hole. no way. not playing with him again. But yeah, I, I reckon that's a good question to ask. Am I actually enjoyable to play this game with? It's supposed to be fun. Um, yeah. that's a good we're Greg, that's a... four or five hours together you
1: know yeah absolutely right. and then it's other things pros do I mean you're forced to play one ball for the whole tournament I think Greg aren't you as in that's literally one ball that you have to stay with is it per round or whole tournament if you start with a ball let's say No, we can start... change
2: after the round we just per day yeah
1: per yeah, day per, so you for, start, per so... round.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah perfect so one type definitely... of ball yeah just to clarify mm-hmm. one type of ball not one ball one, Correct. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, I get them for free, mate. I just throw them
2: away. I just give <laughs> So, for instance, if Come he uses, a... I'll give you, I'll give you a sleeve. Yeah. I'll just give you. They'll be used, but I'll give you a sleeve.
1: Oh, if man. he uses a, a, a Strix and Z Star, he's got to use the Z Star for that whole round. If he uses the day two a Titleist Pro V1, he can't then switch to a Pro V1 X on the fifth. He has to stay with a right. Pro V1. And I've, I've seen um, guys
2: as... change balls. Sorry, Mark. I've seen guys change balls like one day to the next kind of sneak under the radar because their contracts are not allowed to, but they'd like to try that product out of Because we're under the survey on the first day. They do a survey of yes. everything we use yeah, on the first yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. And once, yeah. once it's written down, that's fine. That's what the contract... And I've seen guys... Day two, they go to a let let me try that other brand and just see what Uh, happens because I might be up in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a good good
1: idea for amateurs listening I do see them pull out random golf balls, and you just need to look at some tests of golf balls. I did some tests on some, you know, 15 pounds for a dozen cheap golf balls, and they were ridiculous how they performed like, you know, the spin on 50 yard pitches was hilarious they pop right up in the air and they have no spin compared to a premium ball that launches lower with a lot more grab and if you're just bringing out random golf balls you know obviously if you're just playing for fun and you lose loads use whatever golf ball you want but if you want to improve tall pros will be using regimented ideas of their equipment and it's something i see amateurs not do enough they definitely will pull out around you know it one in the lake they just go in the bag and pull out the next ball and i think well it's just another variable to the massive amount of variables you already bring. Like how many more that you might as well just hit it, like chucking it up in the air and have a go add another variable. It's like trying to reduce the amount of variables. I always think for golfers is a, is a good point because you are going to be faced with so many out there because we, we bring so many to it. Are you a one ball? I seen your stack of golf balls. that so you're a one ball guy, aren't you? Um, I mostly
0: play Titleist Pro V1. Um, yeah. I do have a couple of other, uh, balls in the stack there um, that I will use in, more in the shoulder seasons um, so you know when it's uh, when it's April or October November um, I might try something different when it's uh, you know not peak golf season but mostly Pro V when it's what I play so I, I have another one that's huge for us amateur players uh, and you're both going to laugh at this one and I'll I'll relate it with a story so a few years ago I'm playing in an event team event uh, partner and I um and my partner gets off into the woods um and we were over at his ball um and you know he's pulling out a club and I'm just typical what are you thinking here partner um and he's like all right I'm going to I'm going to go through that window and I'm going to you know big cut and you know I should be able to get this near the front of the green And, you know, this window is about 50, 60 yards in front of us. And it's maybe five feet wide. And it's just all trees (laughs) everywhere else. Lovely. He he tells me this and I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, you're a 16 handicapped. You're not going to hit that window.
1: It's like divine. It's like I can see. Yeah, I can like, see you know,
0: the light. <laughs> like, like Greg would not stand over it's this one. and try to pull this I can off. see
1: the light. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And and so the Blues brothers.
0: Yeah, we're we're trying to we're we're trying to uh you know come to a decision there. And I, I'm trying to coach him into just coming out sideways a little bit forward, but sideways. Make sure you're not still in the trees for your next mm. shot. That's and no I think fun. that's a that's a mistake that a lot of amateurs make is they try to hit the hero shot rather than just getting it back into play um and going from there you know once you get off into the trees even for tour pros um you know recovery shot out of the trees you know any i think it's from between 100 and 200 yards roughly it's it's about 3.8 3.85 shots to get the ball in the hole once they get into a recovery situation so you are more than likely going to make bogey in that situation just try to not make double or triple and you can make double or triple real easy when you try to hit the hero shot. So that's just common sense. Uh, and you would think that it would be more common with amateurs, but it's not. They try to hit the hero shot way too often, from what I see.
2: It's it's uh, I, Lou. It's two big point. mistakes in a row. Yeah, and you can't yeah. afford that. You can you get one big mistake, you got to get back on track. Uh, the other piece of that is that process is. Let's say he tried that shot, and he doesn't pull it off a lot of amateurs will go, oh, that's a bad shot. And what I would say to myself is that's a terrible plan. That's a yeah, bad yeah. plan in the first place. And you had a yeah. well, very small chance to pull that off. What are we doing? And that's when I'd look at me and my caddy and go, we're idiots. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, 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 that's something that, you know, we've talked about in the past. The difference between a bad plan and bad execution. You're going to have bad execution, but you can't afford to have bad plans. You must pick yeah. good targets and good options.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And that that's what links to that, which I think is a great point there, Lou and Greg, is that it amazes me how often the amateurs that I work with and seen over the years just don't choose the easy option. They're so used to watching golf and obviously what sticks in their heads generally in golf. And if you follow golf on Instagram, Instagram is not, PGA Tour on Instagram is not going to post a video of Jordan Spieth with loads of green to work with, hitting a chip and run to about six foot. They're not gonna post that video. They are gonna post a video of him short-sided, slam dunking it by accident, chucking it way up in the air, slapping the base of the back of the club lob wedge way up. They're gonna post that. So people see that and think that's how golf is played. And I see it. I used to see it playing tennis. I'm an amateur tennis player, I used to play a lot, don't play enough anymore. And people come on who haven't played for that much and they've just watched Wimbledon and they're like going for aces because that's what they see. I think, well, you're getting 2% of these. I'm not going to play if you're going to keep it like that. I just want some balls in because we want them actually to go mm. back and forwards. Like none of them are going in. And it amazes me how much amateurs just don't choose the easier options. I don't know if you've seen this on the stats, uh, Lou. I've seen it with Shot Scope. You go up through handicaps and you see amateurs start going for their lob wedge a lot from say 50 yards and in they're using their most lofted club where when you come down in handicaps you see a fraction more of an even spread now there's always going to be outliers there'll be someone listening to this who says well I chip with my 60 all the time and I'm really good with it keep doing it we we played a bit with Luke Donald a few years ago and I was asking about his chipping and he said I generally chip a lot with my 60 yeah keep going you're great that is awesome. not, I, I would, he's an outlier <laughs> Like I wish we could all do that but the amount of amateurs I see just play either their chipping club which situations like why are you playing that loft when you like that's a putter you're two foot off the green um, just choosing the easy option, and it's something that pros do. Pros will choose the easiest option. What pro playing for their money is going to make, or playing for their living is going to make a shot harder than it needs to be. Like I'm sure if you're a bit squeaky bum time going up the 18th with a X amount of lead, if you can hit a little punch eight iron, it's probably easier than trying to rip an eight iron high in the air and get it to do something. You mm-hmm. like, you know, when you get a bit nervous, little yeah, punch. Yeah. Eight it's, punch about, easier, it's about it's about low
2: score, isn't it? It's not about yeah. the prettiest shot or the. The sexy shot. We, you know, this week um in New Orleans here, they're doing uh we're practicing a lot of sexy shots and chipping high balls around the greens. I'm I'm working with a player and really when we did that, but then afterwards I said, actually in the tournament under pressure, we'd run this to the three wood, wouldn't we? And he goes, Yeah. I said, Yeah, it was good practice. It's a shot we may use once every when we have to, kind of blue moonish, but it really isn't necessary when you when the gun goes off. Um and so, well, you yeah. you're a
1: handicapped golfer that needs help because you've yeah. got shots. That's why you have free goes. You have a handicap. Like it's, mm-hmm. well, I always think the handicap system's great in golf, but it is funny. You're getting free goes like that. Like yeah. here's some free goes because you're not good enough to play the game. Is what mm-hmm. it basically saying, isn't it? Which is great. That's a great part of it. But to then choose the difficult options as well or mm-hmm. trickier options, that one just. Yeah, like I'm sort of battle. on that
0: topic. Um, I, I'm not going to give away too much info here because there's an article coming out soon from one of the golf publications on this topic and it's amateurs using different clubs around the green. And one of the things that I can do in Arcos is I can take a look at not only what club they used, but I can see um, some attributes of the shot. So I can I can know, not only how far they have to the hole, but I know how short-sighted they are or not. So if they have a 25-yard shot, I can see if they have five yards of green to work with or if they have 22 yards of green to work with, um, yeah. which starts to allow me to quantify how difficult the shot is. Um, and I will just say that um, amateur players, um, generally of almost at all skill levels, using your lob wedge, and exclusively your lob wedge around the green is a not a good mix. No. Um, it's not a good mix. And I was even surprised at some of the data as it relates to even some of the better players. So, yeah.
2: uh, you know, yeah. a
0: 25 handicap with a 60 degree wedge, or, a, I mean, I, I see some people that are using 64 degree wedges yeah, yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what are you, you know, that's just a yeah. really bad idea. We should We should rethink this one. Uh, but even some of the better players, you know, mid, uh, single digit players, um, I was surprised at their performance with law wedge across the certain situations so yeah uh, it is amazing um, to see yeah it is amazing so you know using the right easy option yeah the easy option is is, and so part of choosing the easy option i I think is that's what a lot of people do is they simply uh you know they grab their 60 they get around the green they grab their 60 and that's what they do you need to um, start trying other things around the green which includes trying it when you're not on the golf course playing like go to the practice screen and work on different things pick a 20 yard shot where you have 17 yards of green to work with you're just off the green and hit 30 shots with your lob wedge and then hit 30 shots with a pitching wedge and see which one does better overall um and you're going to be surprised at what you learn there and i think that's a great exercise to do
1: yeah i've done so many videos on this someone posted something at me and a few other people i don't know if you guys are involved on twitter or instagram it might have been uh, you know what's the best what, what's the best lofted wedge to play from it was like a distance he gave like 60 yards um, you know I'm in the fairway and should I be using my 48 my 54 four, six? I can't remember the exacts but he was basically which one should I use and I just forced to suffer I mean I get the question I answered it politely but I look at those questions think oh that's we're failing as coaches so much that someone asks that question my answer was like well, you should be able to play all the clubs and the right club will depend on the situation which you've not explained to me. So I can't, like, you should be able mm-hmm. to do it with all of them because I know we can go on a chip and green now with Greg and we'll have as much fun trying to chip out of bunkers and over bunkers with a three iron as we would as if we take with a lob wedge. And it's those skills to be able to play whatever shot with whatever loft, the standard ones as well as the silly ones, which does what Lou's saying there, which is, shows you, where your strengths and weaknesses are. You start, mm-hmm. as soon as you start playing those silly games that we all played as juniors, you start to think, cool, my 48 goes close a lot. Why am I chipping with my 60? Oh, because I've yeah. not done those games to, to self-discover that. Mark, so, I, used to, yeah, I used to so. I
2: used to do a thing, and I haven't done it for a while, but I probably should get back to it. I used to just walk five yards off the edge of a green to a pin that was had tons of green to play with. Um, say, Let's say the flag's on 20, and I would yeah. chip with every club in the bag, one ball with every club Brilliant. in the bag. Yeah. Right. I and I go all the way through to three wood, and then I come back down. And you would be some, a mate. The, quite often in that scenario, about a five iron was perfect. You know, because yeah. I looked to land it just on the green, about a yard or two on the green, and it was so easy. It was just this little putting motion, kind of. You, there's so many, you know, easy motions, just using the body and uh, not too much hands. And it was. It, it, and you go, wow, lobbing is actually quite difficult from here.
1: Well, you know, you've got a video spin and
2: bounce. And, yeah. And, well, yeah. Go totally. ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, as soon as you've got deflection in there, which you have, you've got an oblique hit, you're going to get variables. Your spin in a log wedge shot, let's say a 20 yard chip, can range by a thousand revs. And then in turn, the launch will change. I do a simple joke with someone. I put a glove literally one step in front of them on the floor, give them five balls, and say, How many can you land on that glove? And generally, if it's one step in front of them, they're literally leaning over the glove, they can drop all five balls on that glove. I then get them to walk 10 paces away and say, how many can you get to land on the glove now? None of them land on the glove because from 10 paces away, a glove, which is tiny, five balls, 10 balls, they struggle to get it on. And I say, think about your landing spots on a green. As soon as you go to a lofted club, you're moving generally that landing spot away from you. You're not going to hit it. You you can't do it when you throw it. How are you going to do it when I give you a, a stick in your hand? You can get your landing spots and this is an as a generalization because i know there's people listening who are outliers who chip great with those lofty clubs keep doing it i'm not talking to you you wait for the next tip it's the ones that you see over and over again if my landing spot is two paces one paces in front of me there's a good chance i'm going to hit it a lot so in your point there chipping with a five iron you're going to find your landing spot you're going to hit it nearly every time basically if you can hit that landing spot the big question now is, can you just get it at the right trajectory for it to run out? You've got one variable to play with rather than right. three or four if you're doing it the other way. Easy option, ladies and gents. Definitely. I see amateurs choosing the chipping option, and it, it's not as black and white as that. Um, I've got two points to finish. First one, and you've already ta- uh, tackled this one, Greg, a little bit. I just want to reiterate it. Pros are great at learning their patterns fast. Mm. So as in they'll get on a practice area and they're in cuts today and they think, right, I'm teeing off in 20 minutes. I'm in cuts today because I'm not fighting that. There's times to fight and there's times to play. I always say to students like we can fight in the studio. You're not playing for a week. If you want to have a fight, let's have a fight. Let's fight this slice. Let's fight this hook. Let's fight this shot pattern. And then there are times to do what Lou talks about a lot, which is just center that shot pattern in the most sensible place and play your shot pattern. Um, and pros are really good, I think, at finding those patterns quick because I, I, the phrase I said, I said it earlier, I, I must say it to students over and over again. How many times are you going to bang your head against this brick wall? You know, it's just literally because I let it play out. I like to see a student it, it, as, a, as a coach. I think it's too easy sometimes to correct them. Sometimes mm. I want them to make the mistake for them to make the point themselves. You just hit eight shots that have come up short. Don't hit a ninth one i could have said it after two because i could see where it was going but i didn't because i wanted you to make the mistake because that's generally people learn mm-hmm. better if they make mistakes um i think that's fair greg you must have played in tournaments where someone's just adjusted halfway through and got it round you include oh,
2: all the time all the time uh always always super, like hyper aware of um how things are going and how you feel and and how the swing feels and are we at the top of our numbers and the conditions hot and I'm, I'm flushing it or is it cold and wet and I'm not going hitting it very far. Um, it's not as simple. We're not computers, right? You can't just roll out and put the program in and just perform. So, um, it, it, it really is on, on constantly on the fly and you know, you could wake up in the morning and I feel a little faster today for whatever reason. And you've yeah, got to, it's an, it's uncomfortable. Uh, sometimes, yeah, not that kind of fast Lou flexing his muscles in the, in the mirror. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I generally
1: wake up and think, Oh, I feel really slow today. <laughs> right. Right. Which is
2: just as bad, you know, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something where you're, uh, you're listening to what's going on in your body and, and sort of, um, taking the information in. And if you don't have your best stuff, I think Tiger even said it in the masters there recently, his warm up was terrible when yeah. he played, you know? Yeah. So that's yeah. Yeah, where a second serve can come in handy, a little tee down cut or something else we've talked about in the past. A shot you can go to off the tee to get it into play. Three wood, something like that. Just get it in play. Let's get it to the house. We'll fix this later. You know, particularly if it's something that really matters, a day that really matters to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Learning your patterns fast. I definitely see amateurs not reacting to their patterns on the course because I hear students say things like, oh, but that's not right. Uh, The only thing that's right today is that you finish. That's the only thing that's right. Forget the Mm -hmm. right grip. Forget the right stance and the ball position. We've tried that. It's not working. Let's just get it round. Go back to your little punch or whatever it is you're doing, and we'll go on the range and see if we need to adjust or not. Um, one last point on this then, pace of play, because obviously lots of people relate these tips to them taking a lot longer. So, for instance, I'll see a golf pro on telly walk around, you know, a putt a lot more from both sides, maybe, you know, from behind the hole, behind the ball, and then they might even go to the side. All these ideas that we're giving you, maybe learning slope, um, learning your patterns and, and um, taking the easiest option, walking up to a green to check the to check the uh, lie and what have you, of how your chip's going to uh, roll out. You can do these things while the people you're playing with are hitting shots, if you're smart. Like, I, I don't know mm-hmm. if I said this at the start of the pod, but if I've got a 50-yard shot in, I you know I've got to walk up on that green. I'm going to get there quicker, knowing... I don't want to be there with everyone waiting because it takes a while for me to walk up to that green. So, that'll be a time where I'll sneak up the right in the trees where they don't see me as they're preparing. I won't stay back and have a chat or watch what they're doing. I'll run off getting ready to hit my next shot. And you can do that with things like putts if you want to change your routine on putting. I'm sure you're both lining up putts while the other person is hitting their putt, aren't you? You see lots of people not doing that, but you're both practicing that idea, surely.
2: Lou, you got a protractor out, mate. Is that what you got?
1: <laughs> um, I generally, I generally—he's
0: generally, He's generally use... getting
1: his measurer out of his bag.
0: Oh, I, I, I use book. green books, so I use a. Uh, uh, Are they Putty. not banned
1: yet on your side? No, too, not
0: in the amateur circuit. Yeah, I use green books, protractors, compass, lasers, oh, fire trucks, whatever I need. Uh, <laughs> To uh, to to get an on accurate fire. read on,
1: on my on my putt, you just spray this green with water so I can see where it's all flowing. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> right
2: yes, you are allowed to do things without. While well, everyone else is playing, I will say this too: don't fall into the trap of. Oh, I'm not trapped, but the idea that a routine has to have everything the same. The job of when you get on the green or whatever is just to, if you feel comfortable and you've got the read you want, you don't need to walk around and look at four others, three other sides. If I yeah. the goal is read the putt well, if you feel like you get a good read from behind it, good to go. Um, I think one of the misconceptions that the you know the psychology side of things is everything has to be the same all the time. Reality is the job is feeling good over the ball, and you got to read your like or a lie a, a shot you like. You don't need to take the same amount of everything all the time. Just. Yes.
1: And that's a really good point. So I I don't have a practice. If I'm about 10 foot and in, I don't have a practice swing of a putter. I Mm -hmm. just hit it. I stand behind it, get up and just hit it. If Mm -hmm. I'm further and I'm thinking of distance control a lot more, I will have a couple of swings of the putter. So just what you're saying, my routine Mm -hmm. is not the same for every shot. It's the same for each equivalent shot to a certain extent, but it's not the same. And some chips you've seen it. There'll be some chips. You know, you're not quite sure feeling it. I might have five practice swings as I'm waiting. There's some chips I'll get up there, about a couple of practice swings, right? Here I go. Um, It's about making yourself comfortable. I think is a really good point. Well, the
2: goal of the the practice swing is to get a feel. And if you get it after one swing, you're good. Go for it. Right? You don't need five. And the same token, the goal of the practice strokes is to get a feel. You might need one. You might. So you just sit there and say, what's my goal here? Uh, Get a good feel. You might yeah. not need any. You might just go like your 10-footers. Don't need a good feel. I feel yeah. good.
1: Bang them in. Right. Yeah. Get Step on with up it. there banging them in and then just like,
2: yeah, pick All that right. up out <laughs> of Work on your
1: post-celebration.
2: Put that in exactly. your Melt that into
1: your routine. There we go. <laughs> work, on, work on your trash talk, people.
2: Oh, that <laughs> looks so Tiger-esque, that fist pump too. It's great. I could see that half a bicep bulging through your shirt. It's wonderful.
1: Through <laughs> my string back.
2: Ten percent bicep.
1: I got one last point, Lou, and it's to you because you made oh, a point boy. earlier in this, and I'm confused. So you said you wouldn't play with people that take too long, right?
0: Oh, that would, yeah. I mean, I, I, I gave you an but, example on, of somebody I, that took four minutes,
1: yeah, for yeah. a pre-shot so,
0: routine. Yeah, so uh, if
1: people take too long, so. You probably wouldn't play with Keegan Bradley doing aim point then. Cause that takes too long. No, I guess. Keegan, no not at all. That took 45 seconds and the world exploded saying that, that took too long. And it was ridiculous. It took him 45 I, seconds. To
0: do that. I can go find players walking around conv- you know, well, doing I, a conventional I, approach and taking longer
1: you just so, ruined my whole gag you just, ruined You're just ruin such it. A you've ruined I, I was setting that up and you've just literally you,
0: ruined it you can't set up a stat hole that just doesn't work that way <laughs> we ruin everything it's our job
1: footage of tiger taking over two minutes to hit a a, a 10 foot putt, which he missed as well. And I was just wondering if you wouldn't play with Tyre, because I know because he takes too long, you see. You,
2: you... Oh, there's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you, I...
1: but you ruined it, you've deflated my whole thing. You didn't let
0: me finish. Um, I'm, really I'm up sorry. To that. I'm just—I'm <laughs> still hung up on the fact that your dad is going to struggle with Google Earth, and I'm concerned about that. I want to spend Literally, time with your yeah. dad. Wow, I can totally and help see. him <laughs> with Google Earth. Yeah, exactly.
1: I'm yeah. going to tell him next time I see him, Dad. You want to play get on Google Earth, and he'll just give me the nod. He'll be like, "Yeah, I'll do that." <laughs> and, that would that might be a good video. And, and then he'll me? go and sit on his couch and just watch Strictly Come Dancing or whatever <laughs> rubbish he's watching on a Sunday. No, that would be a good video for your
0: YouTube channel, me teaching your dad how to use Google Earth. That might be yeah. entertaining.
2: Oh
1: wow. That will get that that'll probably get about five views, I reckon. <laughs> tens and tens of likes. <laughs> tens and tens of likes. <laughs> there you go good stuff i would Tall enjoy it <laughs> yeah absolutely thanks for listening everybody hopefully there's some nuggets in there for help you get a little bit better at your golf and let us know what things you think you could do better or worse at things that you see the pros do on telly and if you've got any questions of things you see the pros do on telly hit greg up on his social channels or any of us you know on his twitter account and say greg you know why do i see him do this he'll answer and, and let you know um and if it helps you lower your scores or helps you not take too long so lou would play with you next time then that's It's all a good thing. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you in the next podcast.